Come on, let's pray to the Lord God. Thank you, Father. We thank you. We give you praise, Lord. We give you the glory and honor for you alone are worthy, oh God. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of thanksgiving. You're worthy of exaltation. You're worthy of adoration. And today we lift our voices. We lift our hearts in praise unto our great God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for preserving us. Thank you. You, Lord, thank you for your mighty miracle working power and work in us. Father, we thank you and we praise you today. And Lord God, in Jesus' name, we pray for our unsaved loved ones. We lift them up before you this morning. We pray that you would save them, Lord. Hallelujah. Even during this time, Lord God, of confinement and quarantining, Lord, Spirit of the living God, visit them where they are. Speak to them. Lord God let your voice be heard let your voice Lord God speak unto them convicting them by your Holy Spirit until they cry out what must I do to be saved oh God save them in the name of Jesus transform their lives hallelujah transform them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your dear son in Jesus name and father we pray Lord God for EACM, Lord God, every church, every parachurch and ministry that's connected to the EACM, we bless them, we speak blessings over them, we speak grace over their lives, in the name of Jesus, Father God, we pray for the first responders, we pray for our chaplains, for the hallelujah IAC, for the FRC, we lift them up before you this morning, in the name of Jesus, yes Lord, Father, we pray for our leaders. We pray for apostasy and sisterse. In the name of Jesus, we speak life, blessing, favor over them, healing and health into their lives. Strength today in the name of Jesus. And we pray, oh God, for Pastor Gardner, Lord. We lift him up before you. We speak blessing over him, strength over him, Lord. Healing over him in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, even for this great house, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our leaders. We thank you, Lord, of even for this time, Lord God, that we are shut in. Lord, you are my at work. You are at work. You're doing a great work. You're preparing and equipping us, Lord God, for the greatest move. Hallelujah for revival and harvesting of souls that we have ever seen. We know it's not coincidental, Father. We've been praying for revival in this house. We've been praying for miracle signs and wonders in this house. And we thank you today, Lord God, that you are preparing us. You are equipping us. You're making impartations and deposits that we would be ready to serve for this mighty move of God. And Father, we pray for everyone who's watching on live stream we pray that you would visit in their houses that there would be an anointing a presence of the living God in their living rooms throughout their households we speak life we speak healing we speak blessing we speak deliverance in their homes Holy Spirit of God invade their homes in the name of Jesus and Father we give you praise we give you glory. We thank you in advance for your anointed word that's coming to us today. Touch and strength, Lord God. Our Dr. Cheryl, strengthen her body. Strengthen her today. As she speaks your word, encourage her heart. Flow through her Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Rivers of life. Words of life. In the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody that agrees. There in your home, lift your voice and shout, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. As we were praising and worshiping, the Lord reminded me of the scene of uh, Matthew 25 with the ten virgins. Five were ready, five were not. And I feel like the Lord is saying to the church, have oil in your lamps. 
Keep close. Keep really close to God. Keep doing what he tells you to do. Keep faithful. Don't allow your walk to fizzle out and to fade away and to compromise with the world. Don't allow that to happen. God said, why do you think in that story, son, I came in the middle of the night? Because in the middle of the night out nowhere, it's pitch black outer darkness. And the only thing you have to, to see your way around is that lamp, is that light. Society right now is just utter darkness. We need God, the Holy Spirit, our walk with God to be that light that shines out through us. Keep oil in your lamps. Yes, Lord God. Well, the Lord says that I have my watchmen in position. My watchmen are on the wall. My watchmen are a spiritual blockade for the enemy. My watchmen also will discern the winds of my spirit. For even as you look to the Middle East, God says, I will do something catastrophic over there. God says, and the relationship with Israel and America is key. And God says that I'm doing a work in America. I'm doing a work in Israel. I'm doing a work in Israel. I'm doing a work in America. And God says, glory to God, that the two shall be one. The two shall be one. And God said, I have established my throne in heaven. I'm the one that's established, said God, and I will have no other gods before me. Oh, this is a strong word. But God Almighty says, I will not have any other gods come before me. I am that I am. And my saints and my intercessors and my prophets are in position. And you shall see my glory move in days ahead. And as David said, be prepared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we receive the word this morning. Thank you. In the midst of all of this, you're still speaking to us. Mm, Lord, may we heed the word. May we heed the prophetic word given today and get our lamps ready. Get the oil ready. Father, in this time of, of being confined, may we shut ourselves up with you. Oh, deepen our prayer times, deepen our prayer closet, deepen the word. Father, speak to us as individuals. Speak to us as a church and speak to us as a nation. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you received that word this morning? Ooh, yes. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome you to Evangel this morning. Those joining us by live stream, we welcome you. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. The basket's going to come by once. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's my allergy season. I ran out of allergy pills. <laughs> I wasn't prepared, a little raspy this morning, hallelujah. As you're preparing your offering, if you're giving by uh, cash or check, put it in an envelope, um, make sure you fill it out for proper tax credit. If you're giving by credit card this morning, you'll find a flap open on the envelope in the pew in front of you, fill that out. If you're joining us by live stream this morning, go to the donate button link on your computer, and also give. It's important we continue to give. There you go. Hit the donate link. It's important that we continue to give. We still have bills to pay in the house. Amen? We still have bills to pay in the house. And I'm going to tell you what, even this season, this time, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Amen? Let's list those offerings this morning. Do we have our positive confession? Here it is. Say this with me. As I give in today's offering, I affirm all the tithes belongs to the Lord and is holy. I have willingly set aside the sacred part of my 
income according to his word, and by faith and obedience I now bring my tithes, offerings, and seed into the storehouse, my local church. Father, we ask you to bless the gift today. We ask you to multiply not only what comes in this house, but multiply what comes in our house. Bless the gift. Bless the giver. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. sing with us. The song is simple, it says, Tell me what can I do? So good to be in the house. So good to be in the land of the living. Amen. There are so many praise reports of God doing incredible healing. And we are thankful for the healings. Thankful for what God is doing in this season. Thankful that this season is coming to a close. But all is well. Amen. And so glad you could join us this morning. Live stream. Bishop and myself, we bring you greetings. We miss everybody. We love everybody. And so thankful for Evangel and for the Evangel Association and all the ministers and all of our churches and this house. We love this house. Amen? But I want to share with you what God's just been speaking to my heart. I've been able to just gloriously spend hours. And I love it. I love the presence of the Lord. And he's using this time, saint. And that's why I called it a season of the new era and God bringing order. God bringing order, not just to places, but to our temples. Amen. We are the church. And God's doing that. He's bringing order. And he's bringing our lives in alignment. How many of you, uh, if you ever go to the chiropractor and he puts you into alignment and you feel great? at least for two days, amen? But there is a peace and there is a joy and there is a good feeling when we come into alignment. And God is bringing every one of our houses into alignment. God spoke to me and he says, I have been preparing hearts. He's preparing us. How many of you have been getting in shape He's preparing you spiritually, physically, financially even, you know. Uh, so many people have said to me, you know, I don't think this is recession because I got money. I just can't spend it anywhere. Praise the Lord. And that's a good thing, you know, because we're going to have incredible wisdom after this season of preparation. We're going to have greater strength. And God is restoring so many things. Uh, I've just been studying and listening, and you hear so much about even our ecosystem and our nature, and everything is replenishing itself and being restored. And so God is using this time. He is really preparing you. Second Chronicles has been a very famous verse for the church, even in this hour. But I want to reiterate it because it's very uh, key. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14. He says, if I shut up the sky so that there is no rain, if I order locusts to devour the land, if I send an epidemic of sickness among my people, then if my people who bear my name, how many of you bear his name? I bear his name. We'll humble ourselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their evil ways. I will hear from heaven, 
forgive their sin, and heal their land. You know, please understand in this season, this was not sent of the devil. You know, so many people are, the devil sent this. He, God used the devil, but God has sent this epidemic. It says it right there. He allowed it. He's used it. And he is getting the attention of his people. Why? Because we needed to be closer to God, on our face, getting prepared, not just for the coming revivals, not just for that, but for more of whatever the earth has to go through to get attention, to get God, uh, to get us to hear God and get in alignment. So God's saying to us, listen, I am looking at the response of the nations. I'm looking at each individual nation, and I'm looking to see what is their response. And our response in America has been, we are arising. We're coming alive. We're waking up. We're no longer apathetic. We've got a voice, and we will shout from the rooftops, Jesus Christ is Lord in America. And God, you are welcome back into every facet of this nation, and we will stand for that. Whether it be in a group setting, whether it be our individual lives, being Christ to a lost and dying world. This is exciting. It's not a time to say, oh God, what's going to happen next? It's like, oh God, what is going to happen next? How many souls are coming into the kingdom? How many lives are going to be changed? Well, Dr. Cheryl, you just don't get it. I've lost loved ones in this. We've all lost someone. We've all lost someone that we either know, have heard of. But listen, all the ones I've been looking and listening to, they know Christ. So they have graduated. And they simply are shouting from the heavenlies support and encouragement and saying to us, you can do this. And it's an exciting thing. And so God is saying, America, I noticed you. You are arising. And America, get ready for a harvest. Get ready for souls. You know, uh, I read a statistic yesterday, and it broke my heart. And it said 60% of the people will go back to business as usual. That's a lot. That's more than half. But it said, God has found a remnant. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that we are the remnant. I don't care, but Evangel, I'm speaking for you. We're a remnant. Evangel Association and all your churches, you're a remnant. And God is saying, I'm taking notice. I see this. I want to look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. God gave me this yesterday, and I just thought, wow, okay, God, I see this too. How many of you know that there's nothing new under the sun? And I say that, oops, and bear with us today, believe it or not, my scriptures made the computer crash. Yay! No. But Joshua chapter 3 kind of jumped off the page to me yesterday in prayer. And God was saying, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And if you look with me, I'm sorry, 3 through 6, it says, and I'm reading from the... Um, Jewish Bible, but it says, and gave the people these orders. After three days, the officials circulated through the camp and gave people 
these orders. When you see the ark for the covenant of Adonai your God and the Konahim, who are living, carrying it, you're to leave your position and follow it. But keep a distance between yourselves. See, they even had social distancing back in Joshua. About a thousand yards. Don't come any closer so that you will understand which way to go because you haven't gone this way before. Yahshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow Adonai is going to work wonders among you. Then Joshua said to the Kohanim, take the ark for the covenant and go on ahead of the people. And they took the ark for the covenant and went ahead of the people. I just began to get excited when I read that scripture because it spoke to me of what we're going through right now. It spoke to me that when we make that decision to walk with God, when we say yes to Jesus, then we get some marching orders. We get some orders given to us. And he says there, you are to leave your position and follow the ark. You know, we don't have an ark in this hour. We have Jesus himself. How better could it get? And we're to leave our position, leave what we know, leave what we're comfortable with, leave it the way we've always done everything, and follow him. How many of you have found he never takes you kind of like the same old way that you're used to? He always rattles that tradition. Or he always rattles that thing we're used to. And he says, uh-uh, I don't want this to become an idol in your life. I don't want you to look to it. I want you to just follow me. Come out of your comfort zone and follow. He says, but keep a distance between yourselves and others. Because why? we never gone this way before. And sometimes when we get too dependent on people, we kind of fall back into, well, that was comfortable and I knew that, so I'm just going to follow them. No, no. He says, keep a distance. Keep a social distance. Because you've never been this way before. Saints, we're coming out of something that we never experienced before, and we're moving into something we've not experienced before. Already I'm hearing people say, I'm not going out for a whole nother month. <laughs> what is that? Fear. Fear. Come on. Come out of that. Use wisdom. Amen. But no fear. We're coming out, coming into something awesome, coming into newness, coming into someplace we've not been. So we'll keep our distance. But then he said, consecrate yourselves. Now that word consecrate means to separate. It means to seek God. It means to repent. It means holiness. Consecrate yourself. So while you are stepping into a new place where you've not been, while you are following the ark or following the presence of God, make sure you're staying consecrated. Make sure you're still seeking him with everything in you. Make sure that you're not going anywhere without him. Don't even go outside without him. Don't go to your bedroom without him. Don't go to the kitchen without him. Some of us need to make sure we don't go to the kitchen without him. Because we've been doing, some of us have been doing a lot of eating Ask him, do I need that? Should I eat that? 
You will be amazed at his answer. We have to stay consecrated. The people were being prepared. Joshua had to lead them where now? Into a new land. We're heading into the promise, the promises of God. And so we've got to be prepared. Will there be ites in the new area? Will there be ites in the new era? Oh, yeah. That's why he was preparing them, so they could defeat the ites. How many of you are so strong in God right now? You're strong in the word, strong in prayer, strong. Stay that way. Don't get lax. Don't lay back. Keep your hearts prepared. Keep your spirit and your soul and your body strong. And then he said, be properly positioned. He was properly positioning them. How? By the presence of the Lord going before them. In verse 6, he says to them, take the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. And they went ahead of the people. We have to be in a position where we are following God, not walking our way through, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, come on, God. God needs to be before us. I don't want to go anywhere anymore unless God is with me and he's walking it with me, ahead of me. I want him getting rid of whatever's in my way before I get there. But we have to stay prepared. We have to stay positioned. And it was key because in verse 6, he called that the Kohanim. He was talking to the priests. That word Kohanim is Hebrew for priests. And he was talking to the priests and he was saying to them, you go on ahead. Saints, we are kings and priests. We're the priests. We're the ones leading Either we're leading at work, leading in our home, leading in our communities, leading. We're the ones with the goods. We got Jesus. And so he said, walk on ahead and get ready because your God is about to do miracles tomorrow. How many of you know tomorrow could be the next several years? That's okay. We'll take whatever God wants to do. But the key was that the priests were led and obeyed. We must be led of God and we must obey God. He was speaking to this new era that we're walking in. Joshua was was leading them. Nothing's new today, saints. God is leading us. Jesus paid the price. We celebrated Resurrection Sunday. I don't even, you know, I used to think, what's the big deal if you call it Easter, if you call it Resurrection? It's Resurrection Sunday. Easter is for bunnies and chocolate and eggs, and I guess it has its place, but it's Resurrection Sunday. And thank you, God, we serve a resurrected Lord. And so he did it. He paid the price. It's finished. And now I want to go wherever he leads. You know, One thing you have to believe and that you have to even attest to the fact is that you have greater wisdom now. When you sit back and you write down and do that, write down what you believe God has shown you in this season of COVID-19. He has shown us so much wisdom. Wisdom. And how about understanding? I had... 
uh, one of my spiritual sons. And he said to me, okay, mom, I'm getting sick of hearing repent. He goes, I was even repenting for putting the two wrong socks on one morning. He goes, what, what's next? And I said, understanding. Understanding. I used to think the same way, okay, God, I repent. And some of us are like, I can't go out of my house. How much sin can I do? Yeah. But I want to tell you something. It's not about just groveling before God. God don't want you groveling. He wants us to understand something here about repentance. When you begin to understand the things that God is showing you. You know, and, and God spoke to me this morning when I was praying, getting ready. He said, you know that it will take months, maybe a few years for everyone to understand a lot of the stuff I've been revealing. That's true. It's like you wake up one morning and you've got all these light bulbs flashing and you're going, that's what he meant. He showed me something you know, I love to study the Hebrew. And he showed me something. He says, Kadem. K-A-D-E-M. And I said, okay, God, Kadem, it means east. He said, yes, but it also means everlasting. And I said, okay. And he said, if you would have went into the temple, the first temple in Jerusalem, he said, you would have seen the uh, temple was, uh, the, the altar of consecration was all the way to the east of the temple, farthest point east. And I said, okay. And he said, and the Holy of Holies was to the farthest point west of the temple. And he said, those two, you know, once you, once you came through the sacrificial area of the east, the Kadem, the, the easternmost part of the temple, and you went into the Holy of Holies, you were forever forever not needing to make that trip because it was as far as the east was from the west. He says, but the north and south don't have that same value. The north has a pole and the south has a pole. And when you get to the north pole, you can't go any further. And when you go to the south pole, you can't go any further. And he said, but Think of this, when you would go into my temple and you would lay your sin at the farthest east entrance and you would make sacrifice, he says, you were then able to go because your sin was laid as far from the Holy of Holies as it could get and it would never see it again. He says, understand, understand what I am revealing to you, that when I eliminate your sin, it is as far as the east is from the west, and it is as if it never occurred. I said, God, thank you, Jesus. That's why he tells us to cut off the past. He says, cut it off because it never happened. He says, in my mind, it never happened. You are my kid. And when you come into the Holy of Holies, into my presence, you are sinless. Because I threw it as far. The East and the West saints never meet. They'll never meet. If you go as far east as you can go, you'll never, ever, 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 ever hit west. If you go west, you'll never, ever, ever hit east. And that's how far he gets rid of our sin. Oh, that we could understand the awesomeness of Resurrection Sunday, if we could understand the benefits of the blood. And that's what I want to look at. Before I go there, though, repentance, do you get it? 
Do you get this repentance thing? You said, well, Dr. Cheryl, if he threw my sin as far as the east is from the west, that's the value of repentance. Because when we humble ourselves, when we get humble before God and we're on our face, guess what happens? He removes our sin. But here's the key. He removes the legal rights the enemy has against you. The enemy has no more legal rights. The minute God sees repentance, I'm a saint. And when you begin to understand that the throne of God is a legal courtroom, when you begin to understand that when you enter the throne of God, you have entered the courtroom of heaven, and it is a place that upholds legalities just like we do in the earth. But the difference is Jesus and the shed blood is our advocate. He stands there. And the minute we enter the courtroom and we say, forgive us, God, and we are humbling ourselves and we are repenting. And we are saying, Jesus, we need the blood. We have sin in our lives. This nation has sin. This country is sinful. This body of Christ, the church, has sin. We as individuals have sin. And we get into the courtroom and we have now humbled ourselves and repented. And guess what? Jesus stands up and the judge of the universe, God, looks over at the enemy says, you're out of here. You can't enter my courtroom without a legal right. Get out. And he boots him out of the courtroom. And without a prosecutor, we go before the judge and say, have mercy, grace, forgive us. We need a verdict of innocent. We need a verdict of breakthrough. We need a verdict of victory. We need a verdict of restoration. We need a verdict that says, yes, these are my kids and they're innocent. And I pronounce them free. Oh, yes. That's why you need to repent. It gets rid of the devil's legal right in your life. And we must understand in this hour that we've got to start to get this, that it is a courtroom. In Isaiah 54, 17, I've studied this before and it went right past me, but it says in there that in court you will refute every accusation. In court, not some accusations. That's right. This translation, I just about lost my mind. It was so awesome. In court, that means heavenly court, you will refute every accusation, not some, every accusation of the enemy. Why? Because Jesus is there and the blood is shed and the devil cannot stand against the blood. Jot this down for yourself. Only through repentance will come revival. Only only through repentance will come revival. And only through a decision can there be repentance. That's right. When we make a decision... When we decide, I'm repenting, I need the blood of Jesus, I need God in my life, I need him to be alive, not a dead God. Then, repentance will come. And when repentance comes, there's revival. 
Think of the times that you know, that you know, that you know that you have been forgiven. Oh, my word. You become a revival of your own in your house. You're jumping, shouting, hallelujah, thank you, God. When you begin to see the effects of that repentance, you become revived. There's life. And that's what's happening in our lives, in our churches, in America. There is a turning around. We must, we must understand the power of the blood. And I want to spend a few minutes here. Dr. Scott, you can pass out. Okay, you have the handout because I wanted you to have that study sheet that you can take home. But I have them here in the office. No worries. All you, all you have to do is call me tomorrow morning. Please wait till at least 10. Give me a chance to get in here. But call me and we will mail them out to you. Uh, I will email you whatever is good for you. But this study sheet shows you all the benefits of the shed blood of Jesus. And that's what I want to spend a little time here. Because this Passover that we have celebrated, this Resurrection Sunday, you just have to really ask God to reveal how significant this Passover was. This Passover, I was raised in a Jewish home, Catholic home, so we celebrated Passover and lots of Passovers, but this Passover, saints, is significant because of its closeness to the Resurrection Sunday of Jesus Christ, but also because we have to understand the power of the blood. And this Passover represented a crossing over. Every Passover does, but there was a crossing over this year. We crossed over. And this Passover for the Jewish people, was the first time in over 3,000 years that it was celebrated the way the first Passover was, in their homes, only with their immediate families. Yes. Just like the first Passover. They couldn't have family. For some of them, they were alone. But I believe God was doing something so incredible. And so we need to get that understanding today. We need to understand that we take communion and we're going to do that today. So I encourage you right now as you are live streaming with us, go grab some grape juice or orange juice or water, bread, cracker, whatever you got. We're going to celebrate communion again because I and Bishop, we believe that communion is a powerful weapon of war. And we can't stop fighting, saints. We must not stop fighting. When we make sacrifice the way Jesus made sacrifice at the Last Supper and he broke the bread and he uh, drank the cup... We are declaring war on the enemy. And you've got to understand the importance. You've got to get this, that when we make sacrifice today, when we repeat what Jesus did and do it in remembrance, guess what? Turns the enemy on himself. And when Israel was crossing the Red Sea, God saw the Passover, the crossing over. And what happened? He turned them, is them is, uh, what do you call them? Them ites on themselves. And they drowned in the sea. And the Israelites didn't have to do nothing but cross over. 
We are crossing over, and all we got to do is line ourselves, position ourselves, follow the presence of God, stay close to God, stay in the word, and fight the war by simply doing what Jesus did. Nothing, 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 nothing is greater than the blood of Jesus. And get that in your gut. I woke up the other morning asking God, just crying my eyes out in my sleep, asking God to forgive our nation, forgive the body of Christ, and just pleading the blood, the blood. I woke up, and I'm like, what are you doing? I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. And so we have to understand this. There has been a shifting. There has been literally a shift since Passover and Resurrection Sunday. How many of you know it and you feel it? I know it. And we have shifted because God, our God, the judge of the universe, he wants redemption. He's not out to destroy people and things. He wants redemption. He wants us to continue. And he wants us to continue in word and prayer and seeking him. And you can count on hell is raging. You can count on it. You can count on the fact the enemy is mad. But I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to keep seeking him and keep praying and keep studying my word and keep getting excited. And my prayer constantly is, God, don't ever let us go back to what we thought was normal. I don't want any more normal. I want my life so changed from from now on that it will never go back to what was. The blood, the blood gives us life that no death can conquer. See, that's why I know we're hurting. I know we miss our loved ones. I know people have moved on. But guess what? The blood gives you life that no death can conquer. I bet if you talk to Three quarters of the people that have moved on and that are living in heaven, I bet anything that they probably got a glimpse of heaven and said, I am out of here. I'll bet that God said, Hey, do you want to live? Or, you know, I'll make you recover. Or do you want, and I'll bet they'll say, I'm out of here. It's a new covenant. And God says there's seven benefits. I said, God, what's this seven thing again? He said, seven, the number of completion, the number of perfection, the number of my rest, the number of exoneration. We've been exonerated. Hallelujah. The number of healing and the number of fulfilled promises. Seven benefits. First one, and I will move quickly. I won't keep you. I know you've got to run somewhere. (laughs) Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Seven benefits here of the shed blood. Jesus' blood. Thank you. Number one is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. In fact, according to the Torah, almost everything is purified with blood. Indeed, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Wow. You say, oh, pastor, I've heard 100,000 sermons on forgiveness. This is not a sermon on forgiveness. This is a benefit of the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness. 
not just for you to forgive other people and things, but for you to be forgiven, he had to shed his blood. Do you see it? No forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Now listen to me. How many of you are so thankful you don't have to go come to Evangel and kill something and watch the blood pour out? I am so thankful because me and my cleaning freak stuff, I know I would be the one going, I'll take care of the labor and make sure it's all cleaned up. Listen, we don't have to do any of that. We don't have to do any of that. The blood of Jesus was shed, and we are forgiven. I love what that verse in the Hebrew Bible says. It says, according to Torah, everything was purified with blood. Not only are you forgiven, but you've been purified. How many of you know the day you got saved and you took the blood to your life, something changed? Everything didn't get made perfect, but man, you were different. Number two, cleansing. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. Then how much more the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish, will purify our conscience from works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. Your conscience was washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. How many of you have ever met up with someone who has no conscience? You think, that person doesn't even feel bad. There's been serial killers where there's been no remorse. But when you come to Christ and you appropriate the blood of Jesus, you are cleansed. Your conscience is cleansed. And I love what it says there again. It says, so that you're purified from works that lead to death. Do you know that there can be works, religious junk you do, that leads you to death? I know I grew up in a bunch of religious works and really thought at the time I was praying this prayer and that prayer and 10 of these and five of those. And I thought, hey, man, I am on it with God. And I was being led to death. Oh, to purify your conscience. Listen, appropriate the blood of Jesus every day to your spirit, soul, and body. Third, first one's forgiveness. Number two is cleansing. Number three, redemption. God wants to redeem in this hour. Isn't that awesome? Ephesians. Chapter 1 and verse 7. In union with him, through the shedding of his blood, we are set free. Our sins are forgiven. This accords with the wealth of the grace. Wow. Because of the blood of Jesus, you've got this incredible wealth of grace in your life. I thank God. It's like... When you go to, uh, if you ever go to those um, little places where you play all the um, games and it takes all the little tokens, arcades, and somebody comes along and gives you like a whole bag full of coins. <laughs> and you're like, wow, I'm going to have a good time. And that's what God does with the shed blood. He gives you a whole bag full of grace. He goes, here, have a ball. <laughs> wow, redemption. Forgiveness by his grace. But then did you hear that other part? You are set free. Set free from darkness. The minute you go out there, the minute you go out your door, light, you, you're the light. You chase away all that darkness. It can't get any better. 
And people are walking around going, it's so dark. And you're going, I can see everything. What's wrong with you? Because <laughs> you're the light. You've got Jesus in you. And you're bringing it to the darkness. God wants everything redeemed. He loves you. He wants everything and every person redeemed. And our job is to go out there like little light flashlights and say, who can we get redeemed, Jesus? The fourth one, justification. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. God made this sinless man be a sin offering on our behalf so that in union with him, we might fully share in God's righteousness. He made this sinless man sanctified. Oops, I'm sorry, justified. Justified. He made this sinless man. In other words, Jesus had no sin. You're like, okay, I know that, Pastor. Yeah, but you know what's even cooler? When God, when you walk with Jesus, you share in his righteousness. You share in just as if I had never sinned. Wow. You share it. You are justified. So as you walk with Jesus throughout your day, God looks at you, and he says, oh, my son, and oh, there's Cheryl. Never has sinned a day in her life. Woo! We don't deserve it, but isn't that awesome? He says, you're justified. You're justified. You're righteous. But I just had a fight with my husband. It's okay. Go say sorry. Turn it around, and then just keep on moving. But I just wanted to kill my kid. It's okay. Go sit and pray with your kid a minute. Love on him. Show him that you're human and pray with him, and then keep on walking. But I just complained for like 10 minutes how I hate my life. Just look up. I'll forgive. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We got to get that in us. Just as if I never sinned. See, people will remind you of what you've done. But God goes, don't listen to them because I don't even know what they're talking about. Number five, sanctification. Aha, let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. Ugh. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those, oh, I got the wrong scripture, but we need to remember that one too. Okay, 14. But it is a narrow gate and a hard road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It's a narrow gate. It's a narrow gate. Set apart for a holy calling. Set apart for a holy calling. Sanctification. That way is narrow. We got to get that. We got to get that. Narrow and a hard road. That's where three-quarters of the church has got to wake up yet. Because we're real good about being part of the majority. The church at large, as long as I'm part of the majority, God, I'm praising you, I'm thanking you, Jesus. But that's not what the Word says. Sorry. Nowhere in the Bible did Jesus preach to the multitudes and that was where all the, all the sanctification and all the work and all the hard and narrow way, that was not where it all took place. 
It took place behind closed doors with the 12. It took place in our prayer closets when we're alone with God and he's just showing us a lot of the junk we are not supposed to be doing, saying, thinking, are. The gate's narrow and it's hard. Nowhere in the Bible was the gate wide and open. When Jesus was going through the crucifixion, it was a narrow group that followed him. You know, in fact, I was studying that, and the women that followed him, Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, you know, some of the, just the few women, that was all that followed him from beginning to end, was a few women. And everybody always thinks, oh, well, that was his mother, so they let them go because... You know, they could follow because that was, they were a select group. No, they stood a chance of being prosecuted and shunned from their people and stoned. But they didn't care because the gate was narrow and they were walking it. This was Jesus, their Lord. Will we be willing to walk the narrow way? Will we be willing to be sanctified? Because I want to tell you something, the more sanctification we get, we become stronger and we can fight and the fighting will never cease. If you're looking for uh, a walk with Jesus on tulips and through the green grass, that's great, but that's not the narrow way. Every narrow little trail I've ever been on is rocky and winding and doesn't fit more than two across <laughs> something to think about and then number six peace peace the shed blood of jesus brings us peace that's a benefit verse 20 and through his son to reconcile himself to all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through him, through having his son shed his blood by being executed on a stake. We have incredible, perfect peace. You know, you could be going through an absolute hellish thing, but for some reason, you'll have this peace. I've had so many people say to me, Dr. Cheryl, this has been hard, but I've had such peace because of the shed blood of Jesus. Because he reconciled everything to himself. And we will fight battles. You know, you don't, get, you don't get to stop that. Look what happened to David because he decided to kind of lay back and not go to war the way he should have. Forget it. I'll go to war. But the reality is this. The outcome is already determined. It was already done at Calvary. Already finished. So guess what? I have peace. I have peace. Thank you, God. And then the last one, number seven. Access to the throne or the heavenly court. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. So, brothers, we have confidence to use the way into the holiest place opened by the blood of of Yeshua. The blood of Jesus reconciled us to the great super judge of the universe. We were reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. That's what the word says. It's complete. That's why the enemy has to get out of the courtroom the minute we shut off his legal rights because he does not have access to the heavenly court. We do. And so we have access. We're just like the priests because we are kings and priests. 
We have access to the Holy of Holies. We can come into God's presence and guess what? With complete confidence. If God looks at us and says, what makes you have the right to be here? The shed blood of your son, Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else. I don't care if you prayed 25 hours that day. I don't care if you did a 10,000 good works. I don't care if you did 100 acts of kindness. The only reason you can come into the presence of the Father is because of the shed blood of his Son. Awesome. Let's pray this morning. How many of you are going to study the benefits of the blood? And if, again, you would like this little study sheet, I will get it out to you first thing in the morning. Amen. I just want us to pray today because the blood of Jesus talks. So just pray with me. Say, Father... Because of your shed blood, I am a new creature. And Lord, today, I rededicate this heart, this mind to you. I rededicate myself to Jesus Christ. Thank you for Resurrection Sunday, for shedding your blood. And rising from the dead. Come in and live big. In me. I'm the church. That you died for. So Lord. I decree. Your blood. Speaks. I am healed. And those that I love. Are healed. In Jesus name. I have divine protection I have divine provision no weapon formed against me or any of mine can prosper I have victory in the storm every storm because of the blood of Jesus I put the blood over my doorposts in Jesus' name, I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and your wings cover me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.